Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige DeMacos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians. The positional breakdown predictions and, and, and projections and rankings are done. They're in the books. Got two more projections-related shows for you this week, and we're going to start with the Sleepers and Busts episode here. And Jamie has put together a list of some of the players that he's maybe a little bit higher on than most, some players he's a little bit lower on than most, and he's going to kind of throw them to Jake and I, and we're going to determine whether or not we're on Jamie's side or on everybody else's side. But, Jamie, I kind of want to start here, and this is more of a a kind of administrative question. Okay, but before we get to that, Chris, we should promote, if you haven't already – now, you might have been out enjoying your weekend. You might have, I, I don't know what what you were doing. Maybe you were playing golf. Maybe you were at the park. You know, maybe you were locked in your bedroom playing, you know, Red where Dead Redemption. Okay. I don't know where Easy. you were. Okay. okay. All right. We saved that a little bit. Okay. There. Or whatever Chris does, like just uh, like plays Among Us or whatever he does these days. If you missed our top 200 reveal show that was live on all of the Draft Network's platforms Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, Make sure you go to the YouTube channel. Make sure you go to Twitter and go rewatch that. It is, uh, it you know, it's a little over an hour. Uh, it's myself, Chris Schubert, Zach Cohen, and we break down a ton of these players. Uh, some of the stuff that you've heard on this podcast, some things that you haven't heard on this podcast before, uh, and it's a really interesting conversation. Uh, Zach pushes back on some players, agrees on some players, but really, it's it's exciting to see that. Um, if you don't want to spend the time looking at Chris and I's very very average faces. Uh, you can also go down to the draftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab under the flex rankings, and you can just see in spreadsheet format the top 200 players for PPR uh, and their points projections alongside of them. So uh, I just want to get those plugs out of the way first, Chris, uh, because we've done all the positional rankings. We have teased where I've had certain guys, but we haven't really talked about overall rankings a ton. So if you want to see that, make sure you go to the draftnetwork.com or if you want to watch it, the draft network on YouTube and Twitter which will then lead us into our show next week where we will do a two-round PPR mock draft. So oh. we will go back go back to what we've done a few months ago. Uh, now my rankings have changed significantly since we did that show, I think, what, in March or April, whenever we did that last ago, time yeah. we did that show. Uh, so just check all that stuff out. And now, Chris, you can ask me your administrative question. Yeah, you, you took care of some administrative business there at the top of the show. I have some administrative business to take care of now. And my question for you, Jamie, is – is it hard for you to to kind of pick out these sleepers and busts because they're kind of caked into your projections, right? Like I, I'll use a player that we talked about on the Sunday show, a little bit of a spoiler for everybody, but we talked about Marvin Jones and how you know you, how excited you are about him, and that's kind of your galaxy brain play. You have him pretty high up in terms of a wide receiver. You're kind of already calling your shot that he's a sleeper. It's not like we can look into yeah. the rankings and find somebody that you you know you have in a spot that you're not considering a sleeper. You've already caked in that you you're you think he's a sleeper. So I just don't know. I just wanted to know how you approach that for this show. I just looked at where I have them versus ADP. 
Um, and because I think, you know, just because I think something does not mean that the majority of the fantasy space feels something. And as we've talked about on the show for years now, the site that you play on and whatever the ADP on that particular site has a significant effect on where players are actually drafted. Uh, no matter how smart or in tune or instinctive your league is, where you draft has shown to have a difference on ADP. Uh, just because of whatever the default rankings on whatever site you might be, whether it's ESPN or Yahoo or Sleeper or Underdog, wherever you might be be playing your leagues, there is a difference. So I wanted to kind of call out a few players that I would that maybe that in the context of our conversation we were just mentioning them among other quarterbacks, but maybe you don't realize where they're going in ADP. Maybe you haven't done a mock draft yet or haven't checked early ADP and starting to look at okay, who are some players that I want to target? at their spot and here's some players that I know that you know Jamie's high on that I at least want to be interested in and seeing where they're going or some players he's not that you maybe want to avoid when they go a little bit higher in drafts than you expect let's do this by position that works for you Jamie I think you have it it broken down by position so I will I will hand the floor over to you you can just talk about the players that are on your list and uh, Jake and I will be the judge here so start with quarterbacks and I I think I have I have a couple sleepers and a couple busts here uh, what do you want me to start, Chris? Positive or negative? I, I don't know, but you better not mention Jalen Hurts at all during this conversation. So. I, I'm not. I, I'm not going to fight with you about Jalen Hurts again. Uh, I just we'll talk during the season. So you want to come up with a bet? Uh, then we'll talk about it again. I've been asking. Uh, you for like let's be positive. Three weeks now. Let's be positive. Okay. Go with the sleepers. Uh, so one of them, and this will make Jake very happy, but he's going right now as the QB ten. He's going actually in a lot of leagues behind your favorite quarterback, Chris Jalen Hurts. It's Tom Brady. Uh, And we've broken down on this show what my expectations are for Tom Brady, and they are massive. And it's really based on what happened once he got full control and a full grasp of that offensive playbook uh, starting week 10 and beyond. He really played at a completely different level. He clicked with Antonio Brown and clicked with uh, Mike, uh, uh, Mike Evans, and really that offense started to take off. It's a team that throws the ball a ton. I would not be surprised if this is a team up in the upper 30s in pass attempts per game. Uh, like they were. They averaged almost 40 uh, pass attempts per game from week 10 through the Super Bowl last year. Uh, Brady looks as good as he ever been. That entire offense is back. Tony O'Brown is back. There are plenty of weapons on that team. We saw this team hit a different level once Brady got comfortable in that offense and once the offense got a little bit healthy. Now he comes back. Everybody's healthy, at least for now, as we're talking here in late June. And their schedule is not all that daunting particularly for a defending Super Bowl champion. They have probably one of the easier schedules because they did not win their division last year and, and the coordination of where it goes. And they also catch the NFC East based on what the, the multi-year schedules throw out there. Uh, I'm really excited about what Tom Brady can do this year. I have him five spots higher. He's my QB five. I think he can. he's going to be in the MVP race all season long. And he's going to have the stats to back it up. It's not going to be a narrative-based thing. It's QB 10 right now behind Jalen Hurts, behind some of these other guys. I mean, I, I get the age thing. I get why people are concerned, but I think it's, we, at some point we have to just say conventional wisdom does not apply here. Like at some point he, he will fall off, but I don't know when that's going to be. And it certainly wasn't last year. And it only got better as the season went on and in the postseason. I, I don't know what the hesitation is about taking Tom Brady other than the fact that he's, what, 43 years old. I can tell you conventional wisdom is sure as hell wasn't minicamp last week where they said he looked better than at any point last season after getting the knee cleaned up. Wasn't even really clear, just begging to go back in and throw darts all over the place. I can't agree with you more. I think he's in the MVP conversation. I think he might run off with it. I think his offense could break records. It all really comes down to this offensive line staying healthy. They got plenty of weapons if they get some guys hurt on the outside that they can recycle. 
move around, do some different stuff. As long as Tom's standing upright, I agree wholeheartedly. When I saw your rankings on him, I was not even being a homer. I just think he's going to have a phenomenal year. If you saw the HBO special, he still has plenty to prove. I mean, Tom will create stuff to put on the bulletin board. We talked about a bunch. Motivation is going to be there. I think he's going to be unbelievable. Absolutely. And uh, another one I want to talk about, and it's not – it's putting a stretch in the term sleeper, but I think once you get to the very, very top of these values, I think you start to confine some values here. And I think one of them is Lamar Jackson, who's my QB1, who's going as the QB4 right now and going a full round, if not almost a round and a half below where I would take him. And I'm late on quarterbacks. I've gone over how much I love him this year. Uh, I'm not even asking him to be that much better as a passer. I'm just asking him to play all the games. You know, he missed uh, one game two years ago because of their the bye week for the Ravens. So they basically or they didn't need to play him in week 17. Missed a game on the COVID list the year uh, last year. I think he has a legitimate chance this year just based on what he's been averaging over the last couple of years. He could set a new record, personal record for rushing yards just by playing a full season. I do think that offense is going to be a little bit more effective. I think he could be a little bit better passer with the addition of Bateman and Wallace and Watkins. Are they massive, massive upgrades? No, but they're upgrades over what has been there, and any little bit helps. And again, I don't need a massive change in his production as a passer uh, in order for him to be a highly valuable fantasy quarterback. Uh, from In the second half of the season, he was the QB2 only behind Josh Allen. Uh, I know he got off to that slow start, and everybody kind of freaked out, and Quite frankly, he was overdrafted last year, as we all warned that he was going to be. But I love what he did in the second half of last year. I love what's happened over this offseason for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I'm fully bought back in on Lamar Jackson as the elite of the elite at the quarterback position. It's funny to me looking at this, right? Because he's down here. I have fantasy pros pulled up on the other screen, and he's down there as the QB4. And in both Yahoo and CBS, that's where he's going. And, Jamie, it feels like a little bit of a, of a course correction, right? You talked about him getting overdrafted last year. It might be going in the other direction this year, but too far in that direction, right? Where people are now like, mm, I'm not so sure. And you have him as the QB1, but you're also not saying like, hey, go draft him you know, inside the top 13 picks, top 12 picks. Like, you're not advocating for that you're just saying i think there's some value here uh with lamar jackson i couldn't agree more uh any busts in this quarterback category or did i skip over any other sleeper chat no so my busts are and i, I will i will have this conversation for the second year in a jalen row. hurts where's jalen hurts on the list where's he's he? not on the list he's okay. being drafted right. at appropriate value Chris. okay uh baker mayfield's one um for me just because he's going as the qb 18 right now in adp i have him down at 25 uh, it's not a talent issue. It is a volume issue. And I think that continues to be uh, something that is getting lost and it gets lost in pretty much every Browns conversation we have around fantasy is that this is a team that just does not throw the ball very much comparatively. And they haven't under Kevin Stefanski. They don't want to. There's no reason they're going to need to. This team is only getting better. It only got better this offseason. They're not going to continue. Uh, they're not going to need to throw the ball a ton. Uh, I like Baker Mayfield. There'll be certain matchups where he'll be worthy of playing, but overall there's just going to be a lot of games where he's just going to hang out in the twenties in pass attempts. And more often than not, unless those are three plus touchdown games, those are not going to crack that like top 10 quarterback value, even top 12 quarterback values, just buyer beware there. He's somebody I would like to use more as a play in certain matchups type of a guy uh, you pick, pick up off waivers. The other one, which I, I, I quite frankly don't understand is Taysom Hill. Uh, right now going as QB 23. I don't think I'd take him there if he told me tomorrow he was the starting quarterback. Like, I, I just, I don't know what the love is there for Taysom Hill. Um, I don't know why people haven't adjusted. I fully expect Jameis Winston to be the starter. I fully expect Taysom Hill to be involved. But unless he gets 
tight end eligibility again in some leagues. ESPN took it away from him after one week. Unless he has that for you, I don't see how he's going to be t- terribly fantasy relevant, even if he ends up being named the starter. Uh, I mean, I, I think people are taking him as if he's going to be the starter when he's not. And I just, I, I was shocked to kind of see him because I had not looked at ADP in a little bit. I was very surprised to see him among the top 25 quarterbacks. They both make a ton of sense, Jamie. I mean, like, regardless of how you feel about Baker May- Mayfield as a player, you've broken down the numbers to the point where there is no argument there. You actually have him maybe higher than most, than, way, way lower than most people, but really more appropriate for where your numbers are, and you've proven it. Over the time period there with the head coach, love that one. And Taysom Hill, absolute bust. I agree with that. I think Jameis runs away with that competition when they actually get to camp, which means he's not going to be playing. So it has to be a bust if people are actually going to draft in there. Uh, running back next up, Jamie, and and I hope that you use this opportunity to talk about Jonathan Taylor. I did not because oh, he's not a come sleeper. On. I can't call a fr- I can't call no, a but first round but pick a you're, sleeper. You're, I, fair, but ADP compared to where you have him, it's something in ADP versus three. So I, like I, I get it. But I had, like, yeah, down here at like seven or at eight least with Lamar Jackson, he was like a round or two on my fair, overall fair, different. Fair, fair. Like we're talking five spots, so I, I don't think, but I don't think that's helpful. Like you know what I mean? Like you're not gonna have an op- you're not passing on Jonathan Taylor and getting him at a different value. You're either taking him in the first round or you're not getting him. Um, I actually didn't have any guys that I considered true busts here. Now, there's always guys with bust potential. We've talked about Saquon Barkley and, and, and ad nauseum at there. And he shouldn't be taking him at four. But, you know, he didn't drop far enough for me to go like, all right, that's a complete bust. I think a lot of the running backs are mostly fairly valued in those middle rounds. But I do want to talk about a, a few guys here, three in particular at the running back position I think are getting overlooked. Uh, Two of them are New York Jets, Chris, and I know you'll like this a lot, and that's Michael Carter and Tevin Coleman. Carter going outside the top 40 running backs in ADP right now. He's up at my RB27. I fully expect him to be the starting running back for the New York Jets by the time we get to week one, Chris. Am I off base? You are not off base, and talk about a guy whose ADP is all over the place when I look at it on Fantasy Pros. The highest I've seen him is 31, but the lowest I've seen him is 54. So he's just all over the place. There's just a range for him that people don't know where to slot him. But I'm with you. I think he's the starter come week one of the regular season. And if he is, which I fully expect that, he's going to split work. He's not going to be the bell cow back, but there are very few of those in the league at this point. But he's Uh, very clearly the top half of RB3 at the worst at that point. Yeah, I think so. And and so he's a flex guy. Like he's clearly, I'm comfortable playing it right now. If I had to set my lineup for week one, I'd be comfortable playing him in a flex spot. If you got a guy like that in your flex spot with the potential to catch that many passes in a PPR league as the starter, going to play that many plays, regardless how many handoffs he gets, you are ahead of the game. If you're getting your value as a flex guy that late or a guy that catches the ball that well, I don't care that he's a rookie. I don't care that his quarterback's a rookie. They got weapons. They fixed a lot of the offensive line issues. Like, you're getting him that late. That could that could win you a league. If you it's have a huge. guy like that, that's RB3 really playing your slender flex. And, and I'm really only projecting 11 carries a game for him. Like that, That's what I'm projecting to get him even at the RB27 mark. Like I'm not expecting him to be a guy that's going to dominate this offense. And part of that's because I think Tevin Coleman gets work going outside the top 50 running backs right now. He's going at RB55. I have him closer to RB36. While he is healthy, he's going to get work. Now, I don't expect him to play a full season, and there's a good chance he gets hurt midseason and then never regains his position as that number two back. And It can happen. But while he's there, he's going to get work, and he's going to get – he might get as many carries as Michael Carter does. He's going to get a few catches here and there. He knows the offense very well. There's a reason they brought him in, and he's not that far removed from being a productive back. So 
Wally is healthy. He is somebody that I absolutely want to just kind of have a stash on my bench and see what happens and see how that work share splits in New York. But I think there's value on both of these backs right now. And then uh, my last one is a guy that I feel like people haven't fully caught up on. And it's Wayne Gallman. He's going at, at RB74 right now. So everybody that was super excited to draft Jeff Wilson, everybody that's super excited to draft Trey Sermon or super excited to draft Jermichael Hasty, what's the hesitation with Wayne Gallman, who is actually the RB2 in San Francisco right now, has had more recent success than, than those players. Jeff Wilson will come back at some point during the season, late in the season. You know, Jermichael Hasty's a guy. I think he's a special teams guy at best. Raheem Mostert, as we know, is going to be the RB1 there, but he's somebody that has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, you know, Trey, Trey Sermon is going to be a piece on that team, and I know Chris and I disagree on how big of a piece on that team he's going to be. But even if you think he's going to be a, an impact player, I don't think he's going to be a first-half-of-the-season impact player. I don't know what the hesitation is with, with taking Wayne Gallman. If you need to take a flyer on somebody late in the draft right now, outside the top 70 running backs, uh, I hear all the time about how there's multiple running backs that can have success in San Francisco, yet nobody wants to take Wayne Gallman. And we love Wayne Gallman. Loved him at Clemson. Loved him in, in New York. A guy that's a true pro that runs his tail off every time he gets the ball. Catches it well. Catches it well enough. But you are talking about the team is maybe going to run it more than anybody else. Next to the Ravens. How could you not? Like, this guy gets no credit. He was phenomenal last year filling in for Saquon at times. He runs so hard, he got banged up a little bit. But if he's splitting carries with Mostert, I think there's absolute value there. I like that one a lot, Jamie. I will allow previous podcasts to uh... – to and state my official position on the time. San Francisco running back situation. <laughs> so no, that's it for my running backs, Chris. That's it for my running backs, Chris. Well, you want me to go on another Trey Sermon? I, I right? That's one. not going to do got, the listeners any justice. Where, where, is, where is my boy Zeke compared to where Jamie has him? Because he's probably not a sleeper. People are still putting him too high. So and I have Zeke here at seven on uh, the list that I'm looking at, and Jamie has him exactly at seven on his seven. List, so yeah. it matches up pretty perfectly. Um, I will say this, Jamie, your tier five, and I don't want to get into too much on the weeds with these names, but that's the tier that has David Johnson, uh, Fournette, Himes, uh, Hunt, Jones, and Mostert. Like there, there could be some value there. there. Those guys' ADP is a little bit, a little bit lower than where you have them. It's not full round. It's not super value, but it's it's a little bit off to where you might be able to wait a little bit and be able to snag one of those guys. Yeah. So that that tier really stuck out to me when I was looking at this. Want to move on to wide receivers? There's some big names here on both sides. I've got oh, the most really? names here. So oh, again, really? Chris, I will ask you again: positive or negative? No, I'll go negative first. Go negative ahead. start. All right, so let's get this one. Uh, let's get a couple of these out of the way because we've talked about them a lot. But I do Odo think Beckham Jr., let's go. Yes, L. Beckham Jr. is one of them worth repeating. And uh, if you watched the live show that we did to the Top 200 reveal, I finally got somebody else on my side outside of the TDN fantasy community. And, and Sam, that's a, that's a loyal viewer of our stuff, uh, to agree with me on Odo Beckham Jr. Just, I, I will reiterate the point that even at his massive target share, which has been 25% since he's come to Cleveland, that team does not throw enough. And he is extremely injury prone. Like I, I, there isn't, I, I've just, I want to lose my mind. I see the smoke coming out of my ears every time I see it because it happens every off season. I see it multiple times from people I respect in the industry that continue to talk about the wide receiver one, the top five wide receiver overall upside that Odo Beckham Jr. has. And it just, it does not make sense. People are just saying words to say words. His like, ADP I, I, has him really close to being in the wide receiver two tier. Yes. Jamie, your ranking has him outside of wide receiver three. Yeah. I'm just, just right for now, the listeners eight. who might not have both lists in front of them, that's the difference between where he's being drafted and where Jamie has him ranked. ADP 26 right now on Fantasy Pros. He's my wide receiver 40. 
Um, and I just, I don't get it. I don't see the upside there. Like not in that offense. Like even if you guaranteed me he was going to play 17 full games, I would raise him up a bit, but like he still wouldn't be this wide receiver one that people think he is. It's just, it's not the offense. I'm just, it baffles me. I, w- I will continue to let somebody else ride the Elder Beckham Jr. train and be disappointed with his ADP value. Uh, the other one, the other two names I want to talk about is one we spent a lot of time on it in recent weeks. It's Julio Jones. And again, I don't think it's a talent issue. It is a volume issue. And I think that's, if there's one thing that is kind of going to be a theme of this show, and it's the most overlooked aspect of fantasy is volume and how teams operate their offenses. Like I, it doesn't necessarily like Tulio Jones doesn't have to be any different of a player to perform better or worse, depending on where he goes. Like he's going to a team that is going to throw the ball 10 fewer times per game. Okay. 170 fewer times over the course of a season uh, on average over a 17 game, te- uh, over 17 game season than the team that he's left over the last three years. Like that has to be considered. So even if he has the same target share, even if he's the same player, He's going to be less productive for fantasy purposes simply because there's a lot less volume. I expect him to be maybe as productive, if not maybe more productive on a per target basis, on a more efficient basis, which is what Tennessee's offense has been. You can say that, but it's not going to make up for the 10 fewer pass attempts per game. You know, we're talking, you know, two or three targets per game less. It's probably one or two ish catches per game less. And I'll do that over the full season. You kind of see where you get with them. So I think that factor needs to be considered and just not being talked about at all. And I, and I really don't understand why that doesn't come up. And the last one for me on the bust is Kenny Galladay. And to me, it's more of a, I don't, there are so many mouths to feed on this offense. I'm worried about the target share getting spread too thin. It was the talk of another player that we're going to talk about when we get to the tight end section. The other concern is going to be for Galladay coming off the major injury is the major downgrade to quarterback. Like a lot of these guys that we talk about feeling good about it, they made an upgrade at quarterback in the offseason. They made a change. This is a downgrade. Like I, even if Daniel Jones is better this year, he's not going to be as good as Matthew Stafford. I have no reason to believe that's going to be the player that we see on the field for the Giants this year because we've never seen it. So he got a downgrade at quarterback. He's joining an offense that is way more crowded in the passing game. I just have some concerns. Now, there is a little bit of regression baked into his ADP. He's going as the wide receiver 23 right now. So I understand that. But to me, he's more of a wide receiver three. I have him at wide receiver 34. I'd be willing to take him in that spot and see what I get. You know, maybe maybe there's some injuries on that team, which we've seen before. But that's an offense that, again, is just you add Kenny Galladay back to it. You add Kadarius Toney to it. You add a returning Saquon Barkley to it. You know, there's just so many mouths to feed in that offense. A few guys have to not eat or not eat as much as we've become used to. I'm not sure Kenny Galladay is going to see the same sort of target share that he got in Detroit, and we know he's not going to get the same quarterback play. I got to agree with you on all three, but the thing, the thing with Julio and OBJ is they're going to spike. They're going to have big spike weeks. Yeah. Unless OBJ is going to become Jarvis Landry and become a possession guy where all of his catches are within four or five yards of the line of scrimmage, there's not going to be enough value there PPR-wise to really get you anything unless he has those spike weeks where he has 120 and a touchdown or two touchdowns. Julio is going to be the same thing with lack of volume. Galladay, I love where you have, and I think I might take a flyer on him there as well. Sterling Shepard can't stay healthy. They're going to have to throw the ball in this division because the offenses have gotten better. To keep up with Dallas, and I'm going to say it, Washington, they're going to have to throw it. So, you know, Evan Ingram is going to have injury issues. Sterling Shepard can never stay healthy. He's going to be the guy if he can stay healthy, regardless of how much worse Daniel Jones is than Matthew Stafford. We all know that. They're going to have to throw more than they have in the past and more than they want to, frankly. Joe Judge doesn't want to throw it that much. So if you can get him where you have him, I love the value there to take a flyer as a bench guy and hope that you get that upside. 
where his ADP is, I still think that's a little bit too high. But all three of these guys, big, big names, and especially if you're looking at the last five or six years, I think you have very conservatively rated. I love where you have all those guys. But OBJ, I mean, that one's just – it's always going to be that way. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That is that is the just, definition of swag before substance, and you have commercials and a $300,000 watch, but you're not doing shit on the field. This, this is – and again, different scenarios to get to this point, but I keep bringing it up because it's every time this uh, – once a year this happens and I have to go on Twitter and all I do is tweet – the word no. And that's whenever Josh Gordon gets reinstated. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, you live on the like, what was. And I, rem- I look, what was for Odo Beckham Jr. was awesome. Jamie, he made that really great catch on Sunday Night was Football. was awesome. In the coy- one-handed. I, th- I think people forget how long ago that was, though. I'm going to warn you about something else, too, Jamie. He looked fantastic running on that treadmill the other day. Like, looked good. That ain't football. Okay, Saquon I was just going to say, please don't fall Running in the sand, right? Saquon was doing his stuff in the sand. I know. That, that, that's all big with the short shorts and the earring. That's not football. Because I got to tell you, there was a brief moment in time when I saw the video for the first time where I went, man, maybe I should reconsider my position on this. There no, was a brief second. It was, mar- it was the brief. Marketing is sexy. It was brief. It football. was like five seconds, but it happened. It got, is that treadmill going to get him? You don't cut. Yeah. Also, is that treadmill going to throw him the ball more often? Like... Is that treadmill going to change Kevin Stefanski's offense? Like people fall in these traps, though. Like Saquon's I know, not no. going to be that much better of an ACL guy coming off an ACL injury because he can run in the sand all of a sudden. By the way, so... every dude in the league does the same workout. That's the thing. I'm he so glad make him special because he's cutting in the sand. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I I saw this last week and I didn't want to talk about this on the show and then I kind of forgot about it. But um, it's like one of the two things that always annoy me every offseason. One of them is everybody taking whatever any beat reporter says and reporting it as the team says this or or intimating that the team does this. Um, there are a few sites that like to do that where a beat reporter might have an opinion. I think this player is going to lead the, the team in touches, or I think this player is going to be the starter. And then the headline goes, player X is going to be the starter for the, for, uh, for the 49ers or whatever it's going to be, which is, uh, again, patently false. The other one is when – you see players doing workouts that every freaking player does Best and people their life, lose baby. their minds about somehow something has changed. Like, do you think Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. were just sitting on their couch eating hostess cakes? Like, what do you think they're doing right now? What do you think NFL players do in the summer? He just, went just to sit the around and ran hills for a week, Jamie, and it's going to add like, 500 yards to his rushing total. Like, come on, people. I, I, just, I, I don't get it. Like, I just, it, it just boggles my mind. Like, what do you, th- like, what do you think? How, how do you think he became a professional football player? Like, I, I don't know if it's just like a disconnect. Why look like that in the first place? The dude works his ass off. That's never been a question. I think that some ACL of it has be, nothing to do with that. Yeah. I think some of it might be a disconnect where how difficult and how committed you have to be as an athlete to get to that level. I think there's a disconnect of the amount of work ethic and commitment to training your body that it takes just to even sniff being a professional athlete that that it gets lost on people. But like what they're doing in the context of being an elite NFL player isn't remarkable in the context of me, I'd be dead, but that's, that that's not me. So like, I'm, I'm not trying to downplay what he's doing versus a regular average person. I'm just saying, it's nothing special for an elite athlete and it's not going to change all of the other factors that go into this. Jamie, so, I can, so spare me the every workout video that we see between now and then, or every picture of somebody's quads or every picture of somebody's calves or every picture doing? of like, yeah. or every, you know, throw that's made with no defense and no offensive line and nobody like to save it. Like, Jalen Hurts this to every Devonta year. Smith. Did you see that on Twitter? Don't over care. The weekend? Pretty good. Don't care. Uh, Jamie, can I add somebody to the bus list? 
This is me personally. Sure. This is my. I'm adding to the list. I'd like to add Michael Thomas to the list. I'd like to. I'd like to have a motion to add I Michael thought, Thomas to the list. I thought about him. I just didn't think he was far enough away from where I ranked him. But, yeah, but I, his, his ADP is him. top ten. And I'm not. I'm not basing this off of your. Was it like nineteen you have him at or nine to sixteen? You have him at sixteen, and so it's close. But I'm sorry, Michael Thomas is a top ten receiver. I cannot get on board with that. No, I agree. You have I have to could, run something other than slants because apparently yes. Jameis doesn't throw slants very well, and Michael's going to have to expand the repertoire, so to speak. But Jameis as a quarterback it. will allow him to do that. I think. I don't. I don't know if I can go bust on that one. That's a, I, I considered it, but I don't feel like I can take a guy ranked as a top 20 wide receiver and call him a boss. Fair. Like that, that, just, that, that's my only thing. But yes, he is some, if we went overvalued, yes, he's on that list. Because I yeah. stared at him for a while pre-show and went, should I include him? But like, no, because like all these other guys I have 30 or lower. Like with Julio 30, Galladay 34, OBJ 40. Like there are, there are chances that those guys are not playing for you certain weeks in my – in my mind, I know that's not going to happen in the real world. I understand that, but and I'll be on island on this. But I don't really foresee a scenario like in week one where I would not play Michael Thomas somewhere in my lineup. Uh, I, I would say matchup like he doesn't really match what he does well with what Jameis does well. No, he's not running a fifteen yard dig against cover two. He's not th- you know Jameis doesn't throw the back shoulder on a you know comeback very well. Apparently, Michael said he doesn't throw slants very well. He's got a much bigger arm than Drew Brees. He can make a lot more throws than Drew Brees. I don't know that it matches what Michael Thomas does well. So there is a little bit of a disconnect there. One of them is going to have to get better at something. He's not a top 10 receiver, but he's definitely not outside the top 20 either. Who's on the positive side of this list, Jamie? few names that are interesting. Marvin Jones is the one we've talked about a lot, so I won't get back into that category. You can listen to our old shows for that. But right now, he's going as the wide receiver 53 right now. So I have him up at 26. So I'm absolutely taking a shot there. This is, gonna, this is the five. hill you're going to die on all season. Like this is there. There are oh, no, a few if I'm that you wrong, have. I'm wrong, Chris. So no, here's, here, here's the deal. I'm just giving you credit. This is one that you're no, committed to. You are committed to this. There are some players that I will look at because I want to talk about this next guy. That the numbers ten thousand percent back up what I'm going to say. Then there are some like Marvin Jones where the numbers back up the numbers back up the logic, but the logic could be flawed. And what I mean by that is if. Marvin Jones isn't the guy that I think he is with Daryl Bevel, and there isn't that level of commitment, understanding, synergy, whatever word you want to use, then that could be wrong. But to me at 53, like that is – Marvin Jones is a damn good football player that just doesn't get a lot of attention. If he wasn't in Detroit – and by the way, he's been a guy that's been productive when he gets to be wide receiver two, has been even more productive when he's got to be wide receiver one. You know, this is an office that's going to throw a lot. He's the like, true I'm, veteran of that room too, Jamie. Yes. I think that gets kind of lost here, or he's going to be the guy that all those young guys are looking to. DJ Chark needs to take another step being a receiver. He needs a true yeah. pro older guy with the nuance. That's been a really young wide receiver room for a while. LaVisca Chenault, same thing. They're very different players, but learn the nuance of how to take care of your body a little bit better. All the stuff he's going to bring to those other guys, I think is going to make them better, but all of it really cements him as number one. And yeah, that offense, and- I really think he's the number one guy. DJ Chark's more talented. But he's got to take another step to be better. Marvin yeah, Jones is going to be out there playing the X. And I think Marvin Jones is going to be the guy that Trevor Lawrence looks to in the red zone. Like, where's where's that player? They don't have that guy at tight end. They don't have that player that I think at running back that's going to be that. Like, they don't have that that player even at wide receiver. That's not Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones well, gets open. The quarterback's going to go with the veteran and the nuance of the offense. And when they're playing zone, and he's he's saying this stuff in practice, like, hey, get me on this back shoulder here if they play it this way. And he's going to get that look in a game. And when it happens. 
I'm going back to that. I'm going back to that veteran guy that I know I can trust. The rookie might go a step too far. Second year guy is going to try to catch it and run with it too much. I'm going to go to that veteran that we've worked on this and the nuances of playing this game. I, I agree with you a ton there. I like that. The other guy that I want to talk about is it's not getting enough love going as the wide receiver 48 right now is Antonio Brown. And I, I don't, I don't know what people didn't see last year once Antonio Brown kind of came into the fold, but here's some really interesting stuff. So I broke down the target share for when healthy for the Bucks wide receivers from week 10 on. That's kind of the delineation that's we've kind of broken up here where it's been reported that, you know, Brady felt more comfortable in the offense at that point and things started to click. The target share at that point for the top three receivers in Tampa Bay was 20.15% for Chris Godwin, 19.65% for Mike Evans, and 18.85% for Antonio Brown. So Antonio Brown was getting a target share fairly comparable with what those top two guys from week 10 through the Super Bowl. Like, this is a big stretch. This is not like a four-game stretch we're talking about. Week 10 through the Super Bowl, he was getting plenty of looks there. Tom Brady went to him often. Uh, he got a – he was – a guy that just Brady looks to in the red zone as well. Um, you know, I know Mike Evans gets a lot of touchdowns and he's going to get a lot this year as well. But Antonio Brown is a guy that can get open inside the 20 as well. A lot like we talked about with Marvin Jones. Guy was averaging almost eight yards per target from Brady last year from week 10 on. Like he is somebody to kind of keep a really close eye on. I think he's somebody that is in that conversation to be a weekly flex play for you. That is basically going as a wide receiver four, wide receiver five afterthought. Dude's been productive when he's played with Brady. He was very productive last year. Yeah, he had some games where he disappeared a little bit, but that's going to happen. I'm not telling you to draft him as a top 15 wide receiver, but 48, that's just, I think that's just downright insulting. That's the perfect example of the, the workout videos, right? Nobody works harder than Antonio Brown. Like there's nobody in the league that's even on his level of the amount of ADD energy that he has to go out and work out. Now it took him a while to get his legs under him. When you're talking about, we got him in week, what, eight or nine, and you're talking about yeah. week 10 on. It took him a little while for his legs to get under him. He was still productive. I think he's going to be better this year. He got some stuff cleaned up. He should be in a better mind space this year with Tom. And this team is motivated. But I agree with you. If they're going to throw it that much, and that's the top three guys, which it is, there's got to be some value there from where, where the ADP is. is ridiculous. You're still talking about a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, yeah, he's a step slower. But you're talking about a guy that really gets the nuance of the game and really knows this offense really well, too. I think that, that can't be understated. He's played in this offense for a long time. It's the first offense he came in the league with. Mm -hmm. He knows it, and he now knows Tom. I think it goes up tremendously from there. Tom Brady trusts him. I mean, that we, we can debate back and forth whether he should, whether he should, whatever all that other stuff off the field doesn't matter in this case. You're just looking for production. Tom he Brady trusted trusts him. it before he played with him. Yes. Now he's throwing touchdowns to him in a Super Bowl. Now, now his biggest really advocate. Tom's trust. There's a very much a mentor role that Tom Brady has taken with Antonio Brown. And, and as long as Antonio Brown keeps his head on straight, he's going to be successful in that offense. Two other names I want to bring up a little bit higher. Uh, Tyler Boyd, who feels like has taken over, as we've joked, uh, like with Keenan Allen as the uh, now the most perennial underrated wide receiver in fantasy. Going outside the top 30 wide receivers, I have him at wide receiver 22, which is 11 spots higher than his ADP. All he did was lead the Bengals in target share last year, and I think he's going to do it again uh, as a guy that has a lot of high percentage catches as well. That's the way that it's in his offense. 21.53% uh, was his target share last year. This is a Bengals team that, as I've said before, might throw the second most times in the NFL behind only the Dallas Cowboys, maybe the Bucs, depending on where, where they want to operate their offense. But they do it more because they want to. The Bengals do it because they're going to have to. And same thing with Dallas. Uh, I just think this is an offense that's going to be extremely successful for pass catchers all across the board. You know how much I love Jamar Chase. T. Higgins is going to get his as well. 
But Tyler Boyd seems to be the forgotten man, but all he does is be steady and get you six, seven, eight catches plus per game. He's going to get a ton of targets. I absolutely would love to have him as my wide receiver too, and you don't even have to pay that sort of price for him. Especially now that they have X, Y, Z laid out. That is the position. Yep. Mar Chase is your one. T. Higgins is going to be your two. Now T. they've moved him around in the past, but now he's primarily in the slot. Where you, I knew you talked about the last couple of years when he played in the slot, his value was exponentially higher than when they were moving him around outside. He's going to be primarily their slot guy. When you're talking about extending drives and PPR, I think his volume could actually go up from there. Yeah, and the last guy I want to talk about is, uh, and this is shocking for me because I used to be on the other train on this, uh, Tyler Lockett. Uh, right now going at ADP wide receiver 24. I have him going as wide receiver 14. Volume again. This is a guy that he, he and DK Metcalf had a very similar target share last year and actually Lockett best him about, by about three targets uh, was the difference between the two. Both those guys can be target hogs again. And while, you know, DK Metcalf is going to have the splashier plays, you're going to get a little bit more consistency out of Tyler Lockett. You know, he's a guy that's going to get you, but he still gets you touchdowns, which is kind of something you don't think about. Like he can rival DK Metcalf for touchdowns. Like he's got a pretty high touchdown percentage in his career. Should be north of a thousand yards, should flirt with a hundred catches. I like Tyler Lockett a lot where this is really a two target offense. You know, I know with Waldron coming in, they want to get Gerald Everett more involved. They, they drafted Dwayne Eskridge, but for the most part, this offense is going to be run through DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in terms of the passing game. And Tyler Lockett's going to be the guy that gets to have the more favorable matchups and the guy that gets to move around more often than not. Uh, this is a really strong value for me coming off of arguably his best fantasy season. When you have that much wiggle, that much veteran savvy, and you are the guy the quarterback trusts the most in the offense, there is value there. I agree wholeheartedly with you on Tyler Lockett. He hasn't lost anything. There's no reason he should be dropping I am so intrigued to close today's show with the tight ends because, Jamie, I'm sure you found some names for this list, but in looking oh, yeah. at the ADPs for these guys, it felt pretty fair. Well, let's go with the busts. Um, one of them we've already alluded to a little bit earlier, and that was Evan Ingram, who's got right now is going as the tight end 12. I'm at tight end 19. You know, when I, when I had to project who was most likely to lose target share in the Giants offense this year with the addition of Galladay, with the addition of Tony, with the return of Saquon Barkley, it was Evan Ingram. You know, last year he had a, a, a target share above 21%, which was absolutely massive and was quite frankly very bad with it. Um, he was very inefficient and it was a rough season, as anyone can tell you that watched how many balls, you know, clanged off his hands and into defenders' arms. I just think he's the one that's more likely to lose. Uh, we have seen a correlation over the years between tight end targets and running back targets. And if Daniel Jones is going to target running backs more with Saquon Barkley returning, it's likely that's going to come at the expense of Evan Ingram. If Kenny Galli is going to be you know, more involved. Now, if there are multiple injuries again on offense for multiple weeks, then he might get that little bit of a target share. And I could see him having spike games throughout the year. But overall, I'm, I, he's coming off of a year where he was productive in fantasy because he got peppered with basically wide receiver one caliber volume in the Giants offense. I just do not think it's going to be there again. And the other one's Hunter Henry. I just think it's a bad landing spot for him. He has an injury history that you have to account for. I don't know what that offense is going to look like. I don't love what Cam Newton does as a passer at this stage in his career, as we've talked about before. Uh, I expect Cam Newton to start the season as the quarterback. He might finish the season as the quarterback. I have no idea uh, what that, where, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, but you have to account for it as well. John Smith is coming in there. I just, I don't love this Patriots passing offense. And I was really surprised to see Hunter Henry still going as a tight end one, going at number 11 right now among tight ends. And I don't even have him in my top 25. 
Couldn't agree with you more. I told you last year going into the season, if they ask Evan Ingram to put his hand on the ground and be a tight end, he's not going to be very valuable. He's going to get banged up. They did, and it looks like they're going to do it again. He's not a tight end. He's a receiver, one of these new hybrid guys. If they're going to ask him to play that tight end position and at least have his hand on the ground sometimes, he's not going to finish the season. He's not He's not, not, not whole anyway. He's not going to play every game. And Hunter Henry, man, I couldn't agree more. That's another one. Chase the money. Good for you. You got paid, but you ended up in a really bad spot for your career as far as having catches, being good, and being productive. They might be in a ton of 12 personnel. That doesn't mean either one of those guys have a lot of value. The positive side, is there anything there, Jamie, that you'd like to discuss? Because, again, I will say this was the position that felt pretty standard in that regard. Three names. Um, One I brought up before, that's Austin Hooper, going right now outside the top 20 tight ends that I have my tight end 13. Did people just forgot? about him and were disappointed where what the value they got last year when there was a lot of hype around him this time last year, but you should buy back in. Uh, you know, he's a player that's going to get, you know, a fairly significant volume. Um, you know, last year he received in the, the non weather games when he was healthy, he received nearly an 18% target share on that offense uh, as a guy that's got a, you know, plus six, six plus percent touchdown rate. Like he's a guy that I can easily see getting you 50, 60 catches, 500 yards, five or six touchdowns this year. So if you're kind of waiting on tight end, you're kind of looking for somebody late, uh, he's absolutely somebody you should add near the end of your drafts because I do think there are going to be several weeks where he is ranked inside of tight end one territory. The other one's Tyler Higby. Um, I think now he's finally people, again, another almost post-hype sleeper after everybody was ready to anoint him the next great tight end after four good weeks two seasons ago. Really disappointed people last year. But now... Gerald Everett's gone. He's clearly the top tight end in Los Angeles. And oh, by the way, there's a significant quarterback upgrade that has happened and a quarterback upgrade that likes to throw to tight ends. So I am all the way back in on Tyler Higby as a top 10 fantasy tight end. Uh, I think he can be a hundred target guy. I'm really excited to see how he can be, how he works in that offense as what I think will end up being the number three pass catcher behind Woods and Cup in terms of target volume and catches. So I'm excited to see what he can do in that offense. And then the last one is more of speculative, but right now he's going as the tight end 27. I have him at 14, and that's Blake Jarwin. If he's healthy coming off of that ACL injury, you know, Dak Prescott does love to throw to his tight ends. He was somebody I was really high on last year. You saw what he's been able to do with a guy, even a guy like Dalton Schultz in terms of fantasy value, what Jason was able to do with Jason Witten for a brief period of time. You know, if you're looking for just a complete flyer late and he's got to be healthy, but if you're looking for a flyer that might be able to be productive for you at times or in a really deep league or you're trying to like mix and match tight ends, Blake Jarwin, someone to keep on your radar. I want to touch on Hooper again. We touched on our tight end show, how excited I am. If, if there was reasons why he struggled early. He His health, OBJ was part of that offense and then wasn't. It took him a little while to get the chemistry of Baker Mayfield. But if you looked how he finished the season, once he got back healthy and had that chemistry with Baker, I expect them to start off the year like that, even though OBJ is back. He's going to have more faith going to Hooper than he is going to OBJ early, especially when it matters. I love where you have him. I'm really excited about him. I think that's a guy you could wait on tight end. And if you get Hooper, you're going to play him all year and be happy with it. I I mean, especially the value if you're talking about late in the draft. Uh, Jamie, any defensive uh, sleepers and busts you'd like to talk about real quick? No. um, Although I check. No, although, again, I will continue to remind you for those who did not watch our TDN Top 200 show is that Young Way Koo should be your kicker one. You're just going to – okay, all right. Keep eating that job. Since he joined I love the Atlanta Falcons. Video, by the way. Yeah. That was impressive. We had some good stuff there. But since he joined the Atlanta Falcons. Now, by the way, you're not – I will never be drafting the top kicker in any league. Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll take my kickers later on. But with all due respect to Jake. But uh, if I am going to take the kicker one, <laughs> if I am going to do the kicker one, Young Wei Koo, 
who since the second he stepped on the field for the Falcons midway through last season has been the number one fantasy kicker in average fantasy points per game. Period. End of story. There you go. There you go. We end the show with a little kicker talk. Makes Jake very happy. Uh, that's it for us here on this edition of the show. We're back on Wednesday with the Q&A portion of the show on our final thoughts on this projection series. Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And you can also send in your questions there to at Shoe Radio, to at TDN Fantasy. Just send in all your questions because Chris needs all the help he can get collecting right. all these information. All right, we also want to talk about some names that we haven't talked about yet. So if we have not touched on players you're really interested in, Trey touched Sermon, on players on yeah. your team, uh, we've talked plenty about Trey Sermon. Um, if you want to get Chris really riled up, ask a Jalen Hurts question again. Sure. But yeah, if we have not touched on a player that you really want to know about one way or the other, uh, please uh, ask a question for it and we will discuss it. Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. That's going to do it for us here on the Monday edition of the show. We're back on Wednesday to put a final bow on this projection series that we've done all throughout the month of June. Everybody have a great start to your week. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.